Hello, and welcome to Black Men Speak, a podcast designed to address the concerns of black men and provide a forum for them to learn, feel empowered, and be the men they are called to be. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. In a report called The Tapestry of Black Business in America by the Association of Enterprise, there were 2.58 million black-owned businesses in the United States generating $150 billion in annual revenue and supporting 3.56 million jobs. Entrepreneurship can be a lucrative opportunity for an individual to provide income for them and their families. It can also give them a chance to hire people in their communities. Some challenges can be, though, It's lonely and can be overwhelming, as you do everything yourself. Even though black-owned businesses lag behind in other firms in regards to numbers, they are still opening businesses because they too have a vision, passion, and a desire for economic independence. We will talk with three such men that share those three traits and open three successful businesses. We'll hear their journeys and struggles, and we will hear how they feel as men who happen to be entrepreneurs. Those men are Al Shakis Anderson from BWS Massage, Java Bradley from Java's Compost, and Jason Hall from JH Pestaway. With that note, let's start the show. Well, welcome to Black Men Speak. I'm your host, Keith Dent. Tonight, we're going to be talking about entrepreneurship. In order to get started, let's hear um, your stories. Let's hear about why you guys got into entrepreneurship in the first place. So uh, we'll start with Jay because he's the, yeah, I think he's been in entrepreneurship the longest. So, you know, we'll hear, we'll hear your story. Well, I mean, I always had a, always had the uh, entrepreneurial bug, so to speak, but I, you know, I was at a, I was at a company, you know, I had got terminated wrongfully. That's a whole nother story. And I just decided to start my own pest control pest control company. Previously, I had worked for Oregon Pest Control, and throughout the years, you know, I I, I went back and forth um, with pest control, but I wasn't too much too serious about it. Even when I was at my previous the company before I started my pest control company, I still always wanted more for myself and my family, and I always wanted to leave a legacy for my kids. So even when I was at that company, I had already prepared to get licensed as a uh, pest control, you know, as an as an exterminator. So, um, you know, everything happens for a reason. I, you know, I got, I want to say wrongfully terminated, but I got wrongfully terminated and it just happened at the right time because um, around that time, a couple of weeks prior to the termination, I had took the test and I told my wife, I said, if I, um, you know, if I pass the test, I'm, you know, I'm gonna start my own pest control company. And that's exactly what I did. And it's been seven years. I mean, actually be seven years in December. And that, I mean, that pretty much is it. And the goal is to leave a legacy for my kids. That's one of the driving forces outside of, you know, the obvious, which is day to day providing for my family. But Ultimately, I definitely um, going to leave a legacy for my kids and their kids and so forth. So you never know when a um, a blessing will will come about. You know, yes, a wrongful termination, but it did allow the doors to open for you to get started. So that's fantastic. Uh, Java, what about you? For probably a better part of about twenty years, I was in education. Um, you know, I worked in I guess elementary and upper elementary uh, uh, in the 
kindergarten through eighth grade and started out in New York City. Uh, we moved out to New Jersey and, um, and I was there for about 14 years, teaching a variety of things from fourth grade to uh, middle school, social studies. I even I, uh, taught uh, Latin, which is a whole another story and did that for a few years. And I was a, a dean. Anyway, so I kind of was able to change my hat quite a bit while I was there. But one of the things that really stood out about the experience, along with, you know, learning a lot about myself and, and young people and, and so on, but uh, was they had this really amazing outdoor rooftop garden, just beautiful. And part of what they had out there was this composting system, which I don't think I'd ever seen one before, totally new to me. And they explained that they would put food scraps in, you know, in these boxes and they showed us, me and my class, they kind of required all the teachers and students to kind of spend some time in the rooftop garden and then make it a part of their curriculum. When they told us how the food scraps became like a fertilizer, for some reason, it really, uh, it, it was really fascinating to me. It was, um, it was kind of on the, on, in, in, in the realm of like a miracle to me. So you take this thing that would otherwise be considered garbage to most people, and then you just treat it in a certain way. You know, you, you, you put some, you know, dried leaves maybe with the food scraps and then, you know, you mix it around and make sure it gets some air in there. And then, you know, in a, number, in a few months, you've got this fertilizer that you can then grow more food with. And I just found myself spending time out there, you know, periodically in between classes during a free period here and there after school. Uh, I was part of a community garden, uh, my wife and I, and one thing led to another and I started taking care of the um, composting systems there. And, uh, and then my wife and I got to talking and said, you know, this could be an interesting idea of, you know, going around to people in the neighborhood and saying, you know, we would pick up your food scraps and, uh, you know, once a week or whatever, and we'd uh, donate them to the local community garden and we process them for, you know, a small fee. And, uh, you know, we pitched it to the community garden. They liked the idea, but it didn't have, it, they didn't, they had some reservations about it at the time. So anyway, one thing led to another. And then down the road, we, when we moved to West Orange, we kind of decided to re-explore the idea. And this is about five, a little more than five years ago. Mm -hmm. And when we started kind of chipping away at, you know, learning about the industry and, you know, we realized that there, there could be an opportunity, but we had to make some adjustments. So we weren't able to get, jump in head first, but, you know, we, we did some backyard composting and um, continue to learn and grow. And, and then uh, about a year ago, we, we had the opportunity to actually start a door-to-door -door pickup service. Um, and we were able to partner with a couple of different um, companies and uh, that made it possible for us to do that. And that's really kind of where things picked up and uh, that's kind of shaped the, the business since then. And that's what we're currently doing. We serve, you know, we're servicing uh, residential and and small commercial food scrap pickups mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. That's great because we all that's that's a that's definitely sustainable because we all got food scraps. Al Shakis, what about you? I can take it back when I think early on I always had a dream of being somebody, you know, um, being somebody important or just being successful. So my ideas started happening when I was working in corporate. Uh, I used to work for Enterprise Rent a Car. Um, I worked my way up into management. This is right out of college. And then during that time, you know, I, I end up, Dominique and I, my wife and I, we end up having my son, Caden. 
So at that at that moment, when I realized the, the talent and the gift of my son at the age of two and three, it gave me the idea to pursue something. And that was to put him in acting. Long story short, that ended up, you know, happening, becoming successful over the years at just constant effort where I end up leaving my corporate job to pursue my own dream, which was to become a fitness trainer. And long story short, after becoming a fitness trainer, I then had the idea of starting a massage company because I wanted to offer self-care to our people, most uh, first and foremost, um, but most, most importantly to the world. Um, and then after becoming a personal trainer, then become licensed massage therapist. I went to school for it. During that time, I just had the vision of opening my own spa. So right out the gate, after graduating massage school, I just went full-fledged in it. You know, my son was in acting. I wasn't working full-time. It was just the roof was falling on me, and I just had to do what I had to do. But that come from growing up in poverty. You know, that was always my reason to grind, go hard, because I always had a dream of doing more and giving more. So at 35 years of age, you know, I can say that I'm happy. I'm married. I have an amazing kid. Um, and I have a business. I have a my own massage on demand business um, titled BWS Massage on Demand. We offer massage therapy in the convenience of our clients' homes. Um, we cover New Jersey and New York. And Right now, we're just, everything is going great. You know, we're booming. We're making um, a name for ourselves based on our customer service reviews. And that was always something that I was always driven. And I, I, I learned that from the corporate world and I kind of just made it my own. So that was my reasoning for, you know, wanting to become an entrepreneur. That's great. So your, your, so your sons, I guess I, as a child, I'll lead them. So as your sons, you saw his success, you're like, wait. I can, I can do this. Look, this is, he's part of me. So therefore I know I can and step out and, and do my thing. So uh, that's, that's fan, fantastic. So, so then I want to kind of lead with this. So how did the pandemic help or hurt your business? Cause we, we have heard that, you know, small businesses really took a hit due to the pandemic, you know, a lot of, uh, especially those restaurants and those stores where um, you, you really need people in coming in or to interact with them in order to get paid. So how has that um, affected you guys? Did it help or hurt? I guess for my business, the pandemic, it actually, it helped. It's obviously despite what's going on, my business was online. So originally I started out at a storefront with a partner um, in Montclair, New Jersey. But when we split, I always had vision to kind of go mobile and kind of utilize social media. So having that social media audience and already not having a storefront location, I still had connection with a lot of my clients. So during this time, there was a lot of, everything was limited. You couldn't go out to a restaurant. You couldn't go out to the movies. It was just quarantining and stress levels have been increasing. I mean, people are dying. People are getting sick. So much has happened during these times where massage therapy was a part of the self-care that I was promoting to my existing audience. Like, this is something that you should invest in. And people were, people had the time to do it, you know? So for my business, it certainly helped the pandemic because people are just constantly running, including myself. And during the pandemic, I have became an even stronger entrepreneur because I've learned to create a system 
that now the business is running without me being so as involved. So oh, I, I, I give myself kudos. And the client that. and your clients weren't concerned about they weren't concerned about people coming to their homes to uh, minister the massages. Of course. And that was something that we hit. Right. That was something I wanted to mention right away. You know, we just had to adapt to kind of strengthen our our measures when going in a client's home, because now I'm sending massage therapists. That's a huge risk and a liability. We're entering somebody's home and it can kind of cross contaminate. So, you know, there was a liability forms we sent out. We stayed in contact with the client. We increased our, you know, cleaning process. Now all massage therapists, including myself, when stepping foot in the home, I'm usually in a mask or gloves, sanitized from, from the moment we're there and try to stay six feet away from any others that are in the home. So we had a process that seemed to work and, we were able to take care of a lot of clients. Oh, okay, great. And Java, what about you? Mm -hmm. I know since, since a lot of restaurants probably, well, some had, of course, they had self, they had delivery. How did the uh, pandemic affect you? Yeah, initially we lost, um, you know, a good number of our commercial clients. And then our, our business is through subscription. Uh, it's kind of automated. So if someone is interested, they just, you know, they can they can find us and, 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 and look us up. So Initially, the first like month or so of the quarantine, things slowed down, and uh, and then they started to pick up because more people were home, and uh, more people were home more for our service. Um, so we had existing customers who wanted to have a more frequent pickup, and we also had new customers come online that were interested in our service. And and so at at some point, like maybe after the first month of the quarantine, we noticed a, uh, an uptick. You know, and now I think it's it's been relatively steady. Well, I, I, as I was thinking about the question, I realized um, we did have to make some adjustments, though. Um, okay. We did have to. So we initially, we washed, we collected everybody's bucket. We did a swap. So we collect everyone's bucket and leave them a new one, a clean one. Oh, okay. um, So we had to stop doing that. So we weren't bringing things back. Uh, to where we clean and, and, and what we started doing is cleaning on site. So we had to develop a system that would allow us to to, do, to leave them a clean bucket, even though we weren't bringing it back uh, and, you know, washing in a commercial sink. And so we developed a system for that. And there was some some adjustments that we had to make as we were trying to figure out how to do that best. And so that, you know, that changed a little bit of our operation. You know, it takes longer to, to serve it. It made, we had to make some adjustments, but that was one of the things. And um you know, we're hoping to go back to be able to swap the buckets at some point in the right, near future. Right, right. Okay. And I know, and, and Jason, you probably have, haven't lost as much because, you know, the, the, the mice around were, you know, they weren't, they weren't in the restaurants, but they were, they were at the other, they just tried to go to people's homes because <laughs> they right. knew they were cooking. But so right. uh, how, how about you? How, how did uh, the pandemic affect your business? The pandemic, um, it, it, it didn't slow down my business at all. Um, I've actually been really busy since March. And I, I haven't been this busy since 2017. I'm, I'm extremely busy, um, which segues me into my next point. Um, I'm, I'm hiring, you know, I'm looking to um, hire a new technician as well as um, an assistant. Um, I'm busy. Busy, okay. Yes. Well, I mean, and I know I didn't mention it yet, but you know, your rising tide instructors would be, would be very proud uh, because you guys use those ultimate life cards as a pandemic right. and, and made the adjustments, you know, that are necessary. So 
Uh, just shout out to Rising Tide Capital, but we'll, you know, we'll talk about that a little later. As entrepreneurs, what, what has been your kind of your biggest learning moment and what, what has kind of been your biggest obstacle uh, going into this venture? My biggest learning uh, experience has been to almost work smarter, not harder. I know, I know that sounds cliche, but I've been taught to just work hard, grind, you know, and I think mm. most of that comes from my upbringing, you know, just work hard, work hard because I always was a dreamer or a thinker. And I say all this now about myself, not to toot my own horn because I'm learning myself at the age of 35. And it's, I'm, I'm reading like different things in the morning to keep my head, keep my brain in tune and positive. So I think learning a system, almost, you know, taking time to like focus in on, on the journey and your goals by setting those goals and staying on task and kind of going in and repeating the process day in and day out. I've learned throughout this pandemic, I was able to do that because everything got shut down. So I was limited to work from home and it forced me to to be creative again. And I've just, I'm, I'm in such good spirits because of it. Mm-hmm. But the struggle uh, was just the adversity I had to go through as a black man, just running a business. First and foremost, running a massage business. I'm in a massage therapy world. So when I went to massage school back in 2014, uh, Kritiva Institute, there was a higher ratio of female students than male. And on top of that, I'm a black male and I'm pretty tall. I'm 6'1 and I'm 200 plus pounds. So just going in with already that against me, but I always had this customer service, good people skill nature, like people that just come around me, they kind of respect and understand my energy. And it worked out for me, but just that struggle and that adversity to constantly remind that, yes, I'm a black owner. Yes. Even with getting people to work with me, I think that's, that's a struggle in itself. And I, part of the reason is probably because I'm same age, I'm young, I'm a pair, um, and, and I'm black. Um, you know, I want to use that as an excuse, but it is what it is. Because it is definitely, a, it's a high touch business. So and also, since it is mobile, people you would go to people's homes, and 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 I think on your app, do you did you have the faces of the actual um, your technicians, so people would get an idea if they said, "Oh, Al Shakis is coming," they would know what you looked like and all of those things. Yes, and majority of, I think majority of my business was built from social media, so I was already promoting myself all over my Instagram and Facebook. So people kind of have an idea like, okay, this will be the gentleman that will be massaging me. And then I was able to build from there. Okay, great. You know, that could be something where, you you know, somebody jumps back when you, you open the door or whoever for that matter. And so it's yeah. something that you really have to guard against, not just for just the psyche of the your employees that work with you, as well as, you know, just yourself. So part of that is just preparing a client for who, so they know who's coming into their home. So we just have, I try to create that communication barrier with the client that you're going to be working with so-and-so. He's experienced, you know, kind of mentioning his highlights. So they kind of have an idea and a, and a photo of who that person is before they come okay. into the home. So that helps. All right. Okay, great. Java, what about you? Well, I would say a couple of the learning experiences for me, uh, one, you know, because I work with my wife, 
is being able to see how talented, how gifted she is. You know, she's a real people person and uh, a, you know, good communicator. So her deal with certain parts of the business that I would handle totally differently. And I'm not sure if I could handle them at all, but I being able to kind of see how we were going to grow as partners in our business was pretty exciting for me. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, at some point in, in, in the dis more distant past, I, you know, I wasn't sure that she would be interested in this line of work. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's been, that's been one of the things I've, I've, I've learned, you know, how to um, know kind of what my role is, what her role is. Also learning, of, you know, the different parts of what it means to run a business. You know, there's delegation, you know, knowing what my limitations are, how much can I take on, how much should I take on, uh, what's too much, you know, when is it time to, you know, to hire and those kind of processes. Um, those have been real struggles, challenges for me because, I've, we've never done anything like this before. Hmm. Um, then um, I guess one of my main obstacles is just my my own inexperience and lack of confidence in not having a background in this. And, you know, kind of going back to your earlier question about, um, you know, just entrepreneurship, you know, I never really saw myself as an entrepreneur uh, or a business person at all. And so um, that's been one of the obstacles coming in from education and not really having a sense of what, you know, real skills or it's taken time for me to kind of learn what those are, what I, what I bring. So I guess that's been some of the learning experiences and obstacles. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to do the show tonight. I think we don't see ourselves as entrepreneurs. We are given the fact that, oh, we're, we can entertain. So we could play basketball. We could sing. We could dance um, and we can do all of those things, but running a business, uh, no, 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 no. You can work in my business, but so the, this, and so this is why this is fantastic because it, we're showing tonight that men of color can open businesses. Just the fact that the three of you have started your businesses will be uh, paramount to the legacy that you guys are leaving for your kids because, you know, entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. So the fact that you are doing it um, really speaks volumes. So um, Jason, what about you? I've learned the power of discipline. I've learned the power of um, follow-up, the importance of follow-up. Um, I've learned the, the importance of um, relationships. I've learned the power of referrals. One of the obstacles that I've always faced has been delegating. My wife has always told me that you need to delegate, but I mean, who's going to do the job better than you? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but I don't, you know, I, I kind of, I struggle with delegating. Um, as a business owner, um, there are things that you have to do that you don't necessarily want to do. Well, I mean, period. You have to come out of your comfort zone because business is all about coming out of your comfort zone for the most part. Another one of my obstacles has been my, you know, maintaining my back office, so to speak, because, you know, in business, we get so many, we do yeah. so many different things, especially mm. when you don't, when you, when you're struggling with the power of delegation, you definitely mm. can't do a lot. Right. So um, that has been my obstacle. I mean, even right now, it's like, um, you know, I'm being stretched again because I'm coming to another point in my life, in my business career, I have to hire someone. So I have to let someone in. The vision is to become at least, you know, a millionaire at, at, at the least. 
And I be I can't become a millionaire at the least if I'm working as a technician, you know. So I need multiple Jasons. Mm-hmm. So gotcha. Gotcha. you know, so that's that's what I'm kind of like. I don't want to say I'm struggling with that right now, but you know, that's what I'm getting ready to go through. I'm getting ready to start this hiring process and review these applications and I have to figure this thing out. So yeah, and, we'll, and we'll, we will touch upon that in a minute as far as the delegation engine and then, I guess, growing and expanding. Um, but right. I did I wanted to, since Java kind of already mentioned, you know, his wife, and I know his wife well, Michelle, she she is a fantastic woman, and and that makes their partnership and their business fantastic. So I guess I'll hear from you, Jason and Al Shakis. You guys are both married, and you mentioned it previously. So how has that helped? or hurt your entrepreneurship? I'll take it. Uh, how does it help? It it definitely hurted the relationship at many points. I mean, Dominique and I, we've been married, we've been married since for almost seven years now. So, and that's right around a time where when we got married a year later, after we got married in 2012, a year later, I, I didn't quit my job. Now I'm on my own trying to figure out what's the next step. At that point, it was just focus on my son, Caden, but I couldn't just push him and I wasn't pushing myself. So that kind of gave me the ambition to say, you know what, let me go into something I already loved doing, which was working out, exercising, and trying to make some money out of it. Now, I remember a friend said something to me. He was like, you know, you got to love the business side of it just as much as you love what you're offering. And that my mind shifted ever since he said that to me because mm. I was giving my services for free almost mm. just to, just to kind of put myself out there to right, kind of build right. the reviews aspect. But because of that, because of me doing all that, it took a lot of time away from my relationship. I'm always working seven days a week. I'm running them. And I didn't know how to discipline myself to kind of, schedule things i was i was i'm not a i'm not the type that will schedule something in advance and kind of be prepared for it i'm i've done things last minute and that that there was a struggle there was always a debate there was fights there was but my when my wife became an entrepreneur and started to realize okay this is what it takes i think we started to build together and on top of that we still had my son which was also an entrepreneur journey i i, I should say I guess the good that came from it is we all three, even my kid, it, we're all considered entrepreneurs. Like we have our own businesses. We're running three to four different businesses in one household. And since the pandemic, it all brought us all back together to work from home. So we learned how to build again during these times, you know, and get closer to God and kind of, it was just so much happened in 2020. I have no choice but to make it work for my marriage, you know, even with building many other businesses. I just have to make the time for it. And that's the advice I would give any young black king or man out there that's struggling with that, trying to open a business and still maintain a relationship. Great. Yes, yeah, it's, de- it's definitely about a balance. You can't do 100% work, 100% with your wife. It's definitely a balance. And sometimes you have to pull your, have a conversation with your own self, so to speak, and say, okay. Let me, even if you have to physically put something on your calendar, like, okay, I'm going out with my wife on this day. Yeah. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Because I struggle with balance. I struggle mm-hmm. with it. 
I, my wife, my wife will tell you, she's, oh, he's a work. Sometimes she'll say I'm a workaholic, but sometimes I get, I'm so passionate about what I'm doing. And it's like when I got my mind on something, it's like it eats away at me until I get it, mm. until I get it taken care of. But yeah. to get, but but in reference to your question, Keith, in my house, when I when I started my business, it was fine because my wife has been an entrepreneur longer than me. So she pretty much understood. You know, you know, have you have some people in some households where one person is a nine to five person, which is fine because, mm-hmm. you know, entrepreneurship is not for everybody. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it, it, it becomes a tug of war. Like, why are you doing this? Go just go work for some work for somebody, you know, for the most part, just stay safe. But the other person's like, no, I'm following after my dreams. I want this. I want more. In my house, it was we was we was both we were we were both on the same page. If anything, I think my wife is more happy <laughs> that I had that I got um, terminated because at that time, my kids I have twins, my kids were two I think or something like that. So it was like okay, it gave her a break because you know having twins is is a lot. Um, but fast forward to March when I got busy again, and now I'm back out in the field. It became like a it was a little stress in my house because <laughs> always like you need to hire somebody my wife been telling me <laughs> she's been mm-hmm. telling me for months that i need to hire somebody and i kept telling her i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it but you know because it's like i i have i have kids i have nine-year-old kids it's like okay well she has to work i have to work like what what are we doing like you you have to hire somebody like it's, it's too much you know thank god we have some really really good um babysitters that we could call you know we have about two or three babies babysitters that watch the kids but you know it could be stressful if, if, if you let it yeah. but that's where the communication comes in at so java did you want to add anything to that or um well just listening to jason and alsha keith definitely um it just reminds me that it's an opportunity when you're you know when you're in a relationship and you're working as hard as you have to when you're running the business that you really do count your blessings. You do give thanks on a lot of occasions, you know, cause it's not always exactly what they're saying. It's not easy. It's not easy for, for anybody in the, in the family. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm doing a lot. Sometimes she's really busy. Then of course you have the needs of the, of the young people in the house, you know, the kids and, you know, uh, though we work from home for the most part, um, you know, even, you know, even they will say and complain sometimes that we work too much. Um, and that, uh, and also to try to work in such a way, kind of like what, what um, these guys are saying, uh, you know, uh, you, you listen to some of the suggestions, you know, if, if somebody is saying like, you know, you need to find, you need to, you, you might need to hire somebody now, or you might need to, you know, kind of learning like, oh, you know what, maybe there's really something, something to that. I wouldn't have thought about that on my own. And I, and I, I'm similar in that way. Like, um, I would probably do every part of the business by myself because I just kind of felt like I, I had to. And, um, but because of Michelle's encouragement, um, you know, that also kind of pushed me into trying to, in fact, our first, uh, employee, uh, was a good friend of ours. And I was up to my neck in in work and couldn't make appointments for school with the kids and things like that. And one day she just asked uh, a friend and said, hey, do you want to help out? It was just for actually we didn't need help on this one particular day because um, she had asked me, why don't you ask, you know, 
Andrew, if, if, you know, if he can help out. And I was like, no, that's going to be too much work. I got to show him what to do. And then, so anyway, she just took it upon herself and, and spoke to him. And that was our first employee. And it made a, a, a total difference in our work, um, being able to have somebody. And I wouldn't have done that on my own. Right. Definitely, if listen to your spouse. If they have an idea um, and they're sharing it with you, they, their intuition is, so they, because there are things that they're thinking about that they're not necessarily sharing with you because they know how you're going to get, <laughs> they know how you're going to react if they right, suggest. Right. So they'll try, they'll, they'll prod a little bit. And, and then if they see that it's affecting the family, then they'll go ahead and out in your way. But definitely take that and listen to them. And if they give a suggestion, um, I know, cause I struggle with that too at times. Um, they're saying it for a reason cause they are, they're very good at seeing the bigger picture. So with that, because, uh, my question is who, who are your mentors? Who are the people that you, that you look to for support? Me personally, I don't have a mentor. I looked at myself and my wife. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I mean, sometimes I wish I did, um, but I don't. Okay. I think, I, you know what? I think if anything, I think I pull from different people. So I take a little bit of this and I take a little bit of that. But having like one particular mentor, I don't have one. Mm-hmm. Okay. I personally strongly believe in mentors. Um, I've always had mentors without even knowing. Like, I think my mentors were some virtuous guys like Michael Jordan, LeBron James, like I always idolize people, athletes or successful people that look like myself. And then I started watching a lot of YouTube. I used to watch a lot of Gary Vee. He became my mentor. Jim Rohn became my mentor. Um, But then I give a lot of thanks to Rising Tide. Um, I know we probably haven't touched on it yet, but I've been with my mentor, um, Liz Santiago. I'm going to shout you out for the past two years. And it helps. It's, it helps because when you're trying to run a business and you, and you want to duplicate yourself, you kind of got to find trust in yourself to allow, to, to allow that, to teach that. And my business have became that. I was the one that always doing, doing, doing. And my overall goal was to have more time to go on vacation and have more time with my family. But in order to afford that life, I had to learn how to duplicate myself and go back to being disciplined. Yeah. In Java? Yeah. Um, I, I would I would agree. We, we've had um, a, a good number of people who've helped us along the way. Obviously, Rising Tide was a really amazing experience. Um, but I also have a couple of other friends that are um, they're entrepreneurs too, um, before I, you know, before I was, or at least one of them was, and, you know, just talking to them, uh, has been really helpful. Um, then we had another person in the industry who partnered with us early on. She and her company were incredibly helpful. Um, we had, a a, a mentor from the score program, I believe it is, mm-hmm. uh, for small businesses. He would come over and work with us and help us learn how to create spreadsheets and that kind of thing. So there have been people in, in, in the industry and outside of the industry 
you know, I, we've gotten a lot of help from different people. Yeah, that's great. And for those of you who don't don't know, uh, Rising Tide Capital is a nonprofit organization uh, located here in in New Jersey uh, and Essex County, Union County, Hudson County, among others. And it's uh, yeah. the goal is to transform lives of communities through entrepreneurship. I just happen to be the regional director. Last couple of questions I wanted to talk about is first is, well, I may have three more, but um, what barriers do you think need to be broken down so more more men of color use this as a pathway for success, you know, entrepreneurship? For some entrepreneurs out there who are afraid to take that leap, I think you just have to just start, like just go for it, like just jump right in. Now you're in, and I think you have to train and teach yourself to become immune to a rejection. I think once you face that barrier and you're able to break that mental barrier down, you already have the, the ambition, you have the passion, you have the drive, you just have to kind of face rejection and keep going. Um, and then reach out to other people who are successful. So once you get started, you gain experience and you become immune to rejection, rebooked. Get a get a mentor. It doesn't. It's education is free. You go right on YouTube and there's your mentor. Utilize mm -hmm. the resources like Rising Tide, and then once you become more educated and 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 gain more success from what you started, doors will start to open. You didn't even realize your name will start to be mentioned in rooms you didn't even step foot in because you you went through that 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 uh, that process. So trust the process. Mm. And information information is priceless. Smallest piece of information could be like a game changer for somebody else. You mentioned rejection. So how long did it take you to, to get immune to it? For me, huh, uh, this year. And I've been an entrepreneur since 2013. At some point, I realized I just kept going. But I, but I kept going because I had my why in order. Like I had a reason. My family, I'm raising a black son that's now 11. Mm. You know what I mean? We we grew up in Newark. I'm from Newark, New Jersey. Not too many people where I come from have reached success or made it out. You know, some still trying to figure it out. Some are still on their path. And it all comes in God's timing. But if, if you just constantly just become immune to rejection, meaning whatever you put out there, maybe that person just didn't see value in what you're offering yet. So you got to kind of put the blame back on yourself to figure out, all right, what can I offer to my audience so they can see value? Okay, great. Java, anything to add? In in our industry and in, in the that that I'm a part of, and um, you know, it's not so much about you know trying to convince people. Uh, I I know that you know not everybody's going to want to do what we offer. I I know that. Um, I think if I can kind of understand what Al Shakis is saying, I guess I don't hold any. I don't take it personally. If someone says like what we're offering, it, it, they don't value it yet at the moment. Um, I just give thanks that we are able to offer the service and I'm happy to talk to people about why I think it's valuable. And then, you know, if they, if they see, if they see that there's need, you know, a match there, then, then that's, that's great. Um, so maybe that's kind of my way of understanding, um, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm immune, um, you know, but but I would just say that I, I try not to take it personally because I know everybody's at a different place. 
-hmm. In terms of like the barriers, um, I think that there are a lot. One is faith. You know, I know that I just did not have the confidence and I didn't have a clear vision for exactly what I wanted. I knew I had a, an idea and, and so I wasn't sure what direction to push in. And so I guess the, the way I would, I would say it is like, I had to kind of occupy myself in the meantime. So I know I had a vision. I desired, I, I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to do something with composting. And I had an idea of how I wanted to do it, but it just wasn't ready yet. So there actually wasn't, at least for my situation, a lot of prayerful waiting where, you know, I had to do other things in the meantime, while I was kind of working to get some things in order. I, I was working with a friend who had a lawn care service. Um, and I was really willing and ready to do just whatever I needed to do to, to make money. And, you know, I didn't have unrealistic expectations of the world around me. Um, and so I think sometimes what I would tell, you know, people, um, take advantage of the opportunities that are there for you now. It might not be the particular thing that you see yourself doing right now, but mm -hmm. be faithful with whatever God has given you in that, you know, I think that that does a lot to prepare you um, for when the opportunity does come. You know, so those are some of the obstacles I know I, that I faced, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, so I would just encourage, you know, people to just kind of start with where you are and, and chip away at whatever you're doing and try to prepare yourself in some way for when that opportunity will, will open. Those are great points. I'm going to go, go to the last question. What are your feelings right now as a man? To continue providing something for myself and my family to create a good balance where I'm able to be a, um, a good businessman as well as a good father and husband. So I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you. It's August. 30th now, so you got 30 days to find uh, someone that you need to take over stuff to give you the balance you need. You got 30 days. And if you need to talk, you need to talk, you know where to find me. But you got 30 days. Yes. All right. Okay. Al? I guess this year, 2020, it can be a little depressing at times. As a Black man, I think a lot of us face a lot of depression, anxiety, trauma from where we come from. I'm not afraid to admit it now because now I kind of understand it. I think I was always so driven. I, I never was the talented person, but I was just so driven based on my circumstance of where I come from and losing a lot of my friends. I always put that pain into my my grind. Okay, so in uh, Java. We're tied to so many different things. You know, we're tied to obviously to our work. Uh, we're tied to our families, our wives, our, our children. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm constantly trying to remind myself, you know, how can I just stay grounded? You know, looking at the world around us, you know, it is very confusing kind of knowing what the future holds. Honestly, I'm just asking God for uh, some wisdom for today. And I'm just trying to, you know, kind of take one day at a time, one decision at a time as, you know, these guys have been talking about, you know, just our, our children and seeing how important, you know, time is for, you know, spending with, the, with our kids and thinking about the direction that they're going in, time with my wife, time with, you know, people I know and love, friends of mine who, who you know, and I guess just trying to focus on the things that are, are, are really important. That's great. And, and I forgot to say this, but I will 
challenge you guys also to find that one thing that doesn't tie to business, family, wife, kids, and make sure you do that for yourself too. Uh, because you're you're not if you're not healthy, nothing nothing else will be mm. healthy. On that yeah. note, I want you guys to each share um, how you know how people can uh, reach out to you and and um, utilize the services that you guys offer. JH Pestaway um, on Instagram, you would just put in you type in JH one word, and then Pestaway is the second word. It will come up JH Pestaway, your pest out problem on. Uh, excuse me, on Instagram and also Facebook. Again, looking for applicants, anyone interested in a, in a position um, are welcome to email me at jason at jhpestaway.com, your resume, which is J-A-S-O-N at jhpestaway.com. Um, the telephone number is 862-201-930. Okay, great. Al? Al Anderson, I have uh, my company BWS, Massage On Demand. Um, we service the New Jersey, New York area. Um, so if you're interested in an in-home massage during these unforeseeable times, definitely book yourself a self-care massage. I would advise you to go on Google first, type in bwsmassage.com. And I also have another business um, called Anderson Agencies. I'm contracted with American Income Life, um, where we offer protection to union workers and, of course, my goal is to educate our people on legacy because um, tomorrow's not promised. So if you guys are interested in talking about protecting your family, whether it's whole life, term life, I'm your guy. Um, you can reach me at 973-432-2821. And Java. You have, uh, we, have, we have a website. It's just javascompost.com. Uh, we do have um, Instagram. And Steve, it's just Java's compost, and that's probably the easiest way to get, you know, to, to reach us. There, there, we have a, a contact number there as well, email, and then um, we're pretty during the week anyway. We're we're pretty prompt with getting back to people, you know, within at least a day, but you know, usually sooner. And and uh, yeah, that, that, that's how you can get in touch with us. This is a fantastic guys. Uh, thank you for sharing your stories, folks. We just need we need to support these businesses out here because they are. These men are doing some great work. Um, and even if you don't support the business, referrals or referrals are key. Hey, spread the word, support. And I want to say good night. Thank you, brothers. Uh, thank you for thank you. Uh, just coming on thank tonight you. and sharing your story. Entrepreneurship can be a great way to follow your passion and also get paid at the same time. If you can remain focused, know exactly who will buy your product or service, and reach out to those that can help you when you need it. The stories shared by Al Shakees Anderson, Java Bradley, and Jason Hall were truly inspirational. They can only remain inspirational if we continue to support them and also buy products from them. So follow Al Shakees Anderson at BWS Massage, Java Bradley at Java's Compost, and Jason Hall at JH Pestaway. If you enjoyed the show, we need you to do three things, and you know what those are. That's SSC. Share the podcast with those you care and love. Subscribe on all platforms as it's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And send me a comment if you enjoyed the show by sending me an email to info at keepdent.com. As you know, 
We always end the show with a quote. And today's quote comes from the CEO of American Express, Kenneth Chenault. He says, dedicate yourself to a core set of values. Without them, you will never be able to find personal fulfillment and you will never be able to lead effectively. This is Keith Dent from Black Men Speak Podcast. Peace.